We're going to be looking at Luke 5, Luke chapter 5, in our study together today. And as we look at Luke chapter 5, we have a very interesting account of Jesus and His call of certain disciples. And in this context, they're going to learn something about His authoritative Word. And what they're really going to learn is when Jesus says to do something, the key is to do it. We talk a lot about surrendering to the Lord. And there is something to be said for surrendering everything to Jesus. We would do well to emulate the disposition of Samuel in the long ago. You remember Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So what we want to do is surrender our lives to the Lord, but in surrendering our lives to the Lord, we want to make sure that we surrender everything and that we are submissive to His Word. So let's look at Luke chapter 5. And I want to begin by talking about the struggles. And if you look at chapter 5, you're going to find that Jesus was on the northern end of Palestine. He is around the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, a very common place to find Jesus during His earthly ministry. This was a very beautiful and fertile piece of land. As a matter of fact, it was sometimes called the Paradise of Gennesaret. So it's a beautiful, lush area. And Jesus is there. And first we see the multitudes who are present. Look, if you would, in verse 1 it says, And so it was, as the multitude pressed about Him to hear the Word of God, that He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now I can only imagine the great multitudes that followed Jesus. They wanted to be near Him, didn't they? And they were anxious to hear something from Him. And there's no, there's no denying the fact that Jesus was a very famous individual in the first century. I mean, His work, His incredible message resonated with a lot of people. You remember in Mark, in chapter 7, it was said of Jesus on one occasion, He has done all things well. Mark also tells us in chapter 12 that the common people heard Him gladly. And one of the reasons I think people were interested in what he, has to, what he had to say was you remember Peter on one occasion said, Lord, you have the words of life eternal. On another occasion, John would write and say, no one ever spoke like this man. So there was something different. There was something amazing about his message. Now we talk about all the miracles he performed, and then you link that to the message and you've got something very special, don't you? So the multitudes are thronging around Him. They want to hear something. And Jesus uses this occasion to teach these people. As a matter of fact, He used a boat as a platform, as a pulpit, so to speak. Imagine seeing Jesus in a boat, and you are on the shore, and you're listening to what He had to say. Would you not have attentively listened to every single syllable that he uttered? Now verse 2 tells us that he saw two boats standing by the lake. 
But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So we have Jesus teaching the multitudes. But then, having concluded that, what we're going to find is Jesus now turning His attention in a very specific way to some men. Peter, James, and John. And I would assume Andrew was present. So, having said that, in verse 2, you remember from reading the text, these guys have been out, they were fishermen, weren't they? And they have spent the night fishing. They're weary. They're washing their nets. And to make matters worse, as Peter would say, you know, we've been toiling all night and we haven't caught a thing. You ever worked and worked and worked? And after having finished your work, you look back and you think, you know what, I'm just spinning my wheels. I put in 10, 12, 13, 14 hours, and I see nothing from my labor. Well, that, that's really how they felt. Many of us, we've been up late into the wee hours of the morning working. Some of us have even worked third shift. We've labored like they did all night long, and we have nothing to show for our efforts. That's where these guys were. So, their struggles. They've been out. Tolling as fishermen haven't caught a thing. But let's note now their surrender. We talk about their struggles, but what about their surrender? The Lord's going to teach them a very powerful lesson, as we see in our context. Verse 4 says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But listen to Peter. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now I can just imagine these guys, as I said a moment ago, they're weary, they're washing their nets. Look, they're done for the night. They're ready to go home, get some rest. And imagine here is Jesus, and by way of trade, what was Jesus? He was a carpenter, wasn't he? So imagine here is a carpenter telling a fisherman to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. I can just imagine Peter and the other apostles thinking in their minds, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I mean, you want us to go back out into the deep and let down our nets. You know, sometimes there's something to be said for experience, isn't there? And not just experience, but expectation. Now, if you look at the text, they've been fishing all night. And Jesus says, I want you to launch out into the deep, let down your nets. What would have led them to believe that if they went back out into the deep, they're going to catch fish? Imagine somebody telling you, and you're an expert in your trade or in your craft, trying to tell you, how to do your job. I am not, I'm not a hunter. 
I've been turkey hunting one time in my life. And I know Danny is a, is a turkey hunter. And I have no doubt he's very good at what he does. He knows his stuff. So here I am. I'm, I, I've been one time in my life. I sat out under a tree, froze to death, dark as it could be. And my buddy that I'm with, he's saying, you know, those turkeys are roosting over there. We're waiting on them. Man, all I wanted to do was get in the truck. We sat out there until light, till the light came up. We finally said, well, let's just, let's just box up. Let's go fishing. So we went to Sardis Lake, put the boat in the water, and we're fishing. We caught fish. True story. About noontime, my buddy said, let's go get something to eat. So we load up, and we're driving down this gravel road, and guess what we see? A turkey. All that time, under a tree, freezing to death, and here comes a turkey. Imagine me trying to tell Danny how to turkey hunt. How do you think I'd go over? Look, I don't know anything about it. And... If I want a turkey hunt, I need to talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. So Jesus is telling these men, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, the command that Jesus gave them ran counter to their experiences and their expectation. Sometimes when we look at God's command, it runs counter to our experience. For example, you remember in Genesis chapter 6 when God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth. And what did God say? I'm going to destroy man whom I've created. God would say, the end of all flesh has come before me. I'm going to destroy everyone in whom is the breath of life, in whose nostrils is the breath of life. So God told Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark of gopher wood. And I want you to make rooms in that ark. He set forth the, the dimensions of that ark. He laid out the type of wood that was to be used, the gopher wood, verse 14. Now let's just think about that for a minute. Noah, have you ever seen a global flood before? What would the answer be? Absolutely not. But what was it God said? Noah, I'm going to destroy the world, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. Did that run counter to his experiences in the past? Absolutely. Do you remember in the book of Numbers, in chapter 21, when the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining, and God sent fiery serpents among them? And so they cried out to Moses, and they wanted relief, didn't they? So what God tell Moses to do? Moses, I want you to make a serpent of brass. Put it on a pole. And it'll come to pass whenever someone is bitten by a serpent, when they look at that serpent of brass, what'll happen? They'll live. Moses, have you ever in your past, have you ever used this, medicinally speaking, for a snake bite? Joshua chapter Remember Joshua chapter 6? 
When God instructed Joshua and the children of Israel, He said, I have given you the land of Jericho with its king and mighty men of valor. Here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to march around the city one time every day for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. I want the priest to blow the ram's trumpet. And following the blowing of that trumpet, I want the people to shout, and what's going to happen? The walls of the city are going to fall down. Joshua, General Joshua, in your work as a, as a leader, as a military leader, have you ever seen anything like this before? Anything that you can draw upon from the past? Oh, I remember back when I took another city, and this is what we did. No, he didn't, ha didn't have that luxury, did he? But God said, this is exactly what I want you to do. Now I want you to see first the command and then the compliance. Listen again. The text says that Simon said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That is a significant phrase. Whenever the Lord says, here's what I want you to do, we don't need to quibble about it, we don't need to argue over it, what do we need to do? Be submissive, don't we? Now go back again. Now you think about, you think about Noah. God said to Noah, Noah, I'm going to bring a flood upon the world. I want you to build an ark. I want you to follow my instructions. As a matter of fact, Moses says in Genesis chapter 6, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Upon what basis did he comply with the will of the Lord? Well, the Bible says, By faith, Noah being warned of God, listen to him, of things not seen as yet, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It may have run counter to his past experiences. It may have run counter to maybe even his expectations. But he did it, didn't he? Why? Because he took God at his word. When God told Moses, I want you to build this serpent of brass, I want you to make a serpent of brass. And whenever somebody is bitten, when they look at that serpent of brass, they're going to live medicinally speaking, nothing inherent about that serpent of brass, but God said, this is what I want you to do. And when the people did it, what happened? They lived, didn't they? In the book of Joshua, when God said, I've given you the land, and Joshua's trying to turn over in his head, okay, this is what we're supposed to do? That's what you said. Maybe I haven't ever, maybe I have never led this type of an assault on a city to take a city. But you know what? God said it. I'm going to do it. So these men, and Simon speaks up and said, at your word, I'll let down the net. They surrendered to the authoritative word. Who was that? That was Jesus, wasn't it? We're not talking about just any individual here. We're talking about the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. This is the one 
that has always existed, who will always exist. So whenever the Lord Jesus says, I want you to do something, then what do we need to do? We need to do it, don't we? So they surrendered to the authoritative word, and they surrendered to authoritative words. There's a distinction there but also a correlation. You can't separate the Word of the Lord from the Word who is the Lord. They go hand in hand. So when Jesus says to do something, and by the way, He has all authority, doesn't He? Matthew 28, 18, All authority, all power has been given unto Him in heaven and on earth. And didn't God the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. So when Jesus says to do something, it's incumbent on us to what? To do something. Now, let's just think for a minute about His teaching. How many people, religiously speaking, will argue over the necessity of being baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? They will debate you, and sometimes they will get very heated in their defense of why they believe you don't need to be baptized into Christ. Now, we talk about surrendering to the authoritative Word and to His authoritative words. Is it not somewhat superficial to claim that we're willing to surrender to Jesus and that we respect Him, we love Him, and then we want to quibble over what He has to say? Didn't Jesus say, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved? That settles it, doesn't it? It's not up for discussion. It's not up for debate. If the Lord said it, that settles it. Sometimes people say, well, you know, the Lord said it, I believe it, that settles it. No. If the Lord said it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. It's settled. So when the Lord said to Peter, Peter, I want you to let down your nets... And Peter said, Lord, we've been laboring all night long. We've been toiling all night long. Haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, at your will, I'll let down the nets. You know, sometimes, sometimes we may not necessarily understand everything behind a command. But faith says that because God said it, we're going to do it. Right? We're going to be willing to do what He says. And I'm not saying in any way that God's commands and God's will is difficult to comprehend. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes people have difficulty making the correlation. For example, people say, well, how does being baptized in water wash away my sins? Nothing magical about the water. But rather, when we're baptized into Christ, we're buried in water, and it's there that we meet the blood of Christ, isn't it? The blood's what washes away our sins, but we're baptized into Christ. We die to the love and practice of sin, and we rise to walk in newness of life. Read Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. So, I think about their struggles 
And then in the second place, their surrender. But then thirdly, note their surprise. Verse 6 says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now I want to stop here. What about their consequence? Are there not consequences to surrendering to the Lord? Well, the answer is yes. When we do what God says to do in His own divine, divinely appointed way, what happens? Good things, doesn't it? You know, you think about being blessed in life. Let me tell you why a lot of people in our world today have a lot of misery and heartache and sadness and trial and tribulation and their lives are upside down. I can tell you why. And it isn't rocket science. The reason a lot of people in our world today are upside down with problem after problem after problem, they are literally spinning their wheels, is because they ignore doing what God said to do. That's it. They want to do it their way instead of God's way. You do it your way, and the old question still rings true. How's that working out for you? Look at our world. When I look around in our world and I see all the problems that we're facing worldwide, I want to ask people, how's that working out? Because I can tell right now it's not working out very well. You know what? If you'll do things God's way, you'll be blessed. If you don't do things God's way, expect the worst. Before Moses died, you remember he set before the children of Israel blessings and cursings. He said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you might live. The bottom line was, he was saying, if you obey God, I'll bless you. You disobey me, what will I do? I will curse you. A lot of folks in our world today, they need to wake up. Their lives are cursed. Because they think they can do it their way. Well, let me tell you what, you can, go, you can do it God's ways. You know, Hosea said in the long ago, listen to him. Hosea said, the word of the Lord is right. In our world, people may not understand that. They may not appreciate that. But God's word and His ways are right. They have always been right and they will always be right. Always have been, always will be right. So, note the continuation. In verse 9, the Bible says, For he, that is Peter, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Let me just pause there for a minute. They were astonished, weren't they? You know, I wonder how many people today 
whose lives are chaotic and filled with all kinds of problems. I wonder how many people today, if they would just say, you know what, I've tried it my way, hadn't been working, I'm going to give God the opportunity to work in my life. I'm going to submit my life to His will. I'm going to repent. I'm going to be baptized into Christ. I'm going to live the Christian life. I'm going to try to build my family on the Lord. I'm going to do what He says. I wonder how many people would, would after a period of time elapses, would be astonished and all the good things that would come forth in their lives. Give God a chance to work. God can change our lives. He can make us better people. But we gotta, we've got to allow Him to work in our lives. And so they were astonished. But then note also, first, the consequence of surrendering to the Lord they catch all these fish, and they're astonished. And of course, Peter fell at the Lord's knees. And he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, sometimes we just don't trust the Lord like we should. You know, there are a lot of people that are filled with anxiety and worry and terror today. Coronavirus has instilled fear in the lives of a lot of people. Look, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. Do you? And, you know, sometimes, and, and I hate to say this, but sometimes we lack faith, don't we? We need stronger faith. You remember the disciples said to Jesus one time, Lord, increase our faith. We just don't have the faith we need. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now listen to what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what happens a lot of times in life? We're walking by sight and we're not walking by faith. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. When Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep and let down your net, in a sense, initially, he's walking by faith, isn't he? I mean, by sight. Because he said, we've toiled all night, haven't caught anything. But then he said, nevertheless, not at, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Now note they're called to serve the Lord. The text tells us in verse 10, that Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Note that key word there, afraid. And note what he says prior to that word, afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, the Lord said that to the Apostle Paul, didn't he? And Paul said that to Timothy, didn't he? Do you think there is a fear factor alive and well in the world in which we live? Yes. How then do we offset our fears? We trust in the Lord. David said in Psalm 56, Whenever I am afraid, what will I do? I will trust in you. Psalm 56. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Learning to trust in the Lord. So, 
Jesus said, you know what? You're going to labor for me. And note, if you would, what is said in verse 11. When they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Him. They were willing to leave all to serve the Lord. And the idea is, they were willing to walk away from any and every obstacle that would have prevented them from serving the Lord. Are you willing to walk away from any obstacle that would prevent you from serving the Lord? Sometimes our family can get in the way. Sometimes our friends can get in the way. Sometimes our job gets in the way. Sometimes our hobbies get in the way. Sometimes life gets in our way. These guys had to learn to leave all, to forsake all. You know why the church isn't what it could be sometimes? It's because we haven't forsaken all to follow the Lord. We really haven't. We give it lip service, but it's not reflected in how we live. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, what do you see? A consecrated life, don't you? I mean, look at Paul. Was Paul all in? Yes, he was. If we want to be what the Lord wants us to be, it's all in or nothing. And so, when you look at what Jesus is teaching these men, He's teaching them they have to learn to surrender. When it comes to, be, when it comes to being a New Testament Christian, it really begins with what? Surrender. Surrendering my will and my ways for whom? For the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, if any man will come after me, let him do what? Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, sometimes me, myself, and I get in the way. And what he's saying is, if you want to be my servant, you've got to lose yourself in serving me, don't you? So, my encouragement to all of us today, surrender. We sing a song many times, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Have you surrendered all to Jesus? Have you surrendered your will to His life? Have you submitted to His Word? What would you need to do to become one of His children? Well, you've got to, as Jesus said, deny self, take up His cross, and follow Him. You've got to be willing to repent of all of your sins, Luke 13, 3. To do as Saul of Tarsus did many years ago, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. When you do that, God puts you in the church, and if you're faithful until death, the promise is what? The crown of life. If you're here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be, maybe you're not living faithfully as you ought to, could we encourage you to come home today? The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing.